0: Good morning. Glad you're here. Would you pray with me, please? Oh, Father, we thank you for the blessed occasion of the gathering of your people. And we thank you for the promise of our Savior that when we gather in his name, he'll be with us. Oh, Father, would you give us what we need this day? Would you bless your people? Would you glorify your son in our midst? Father, would you enable us by your mighty power to worship in spirit and in truth? Would you cause us to be edified and built up in the most holy faith. And as we remember the death of our Savior this afternoon, oh Father, I pray that we might experience anew the passion. Encourage us. Bless your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, saints, as we often say, nothing new this morning. And I've told you sometimes if I come up with something new, sometimes you should be very suspicious. Just a reminder of some old truth. But I hope that you'll be encouraged in your Savior by a reminder of some beautiful truth this day. I hope that you will be joyful, full of joy and rejoicing. Let me remind you of what a metaphor is. A metaphor is a figure of speech in which a word or a phrase that usually designates one thing is used to designate another thing. Thus making an implicit comparison between the things. So we say things like a sea of trouble. A world of hurt. You're in a world of hurt. A good writer often uses metaphorical speech to communicate something more colorfully, more depthfully, or to emphasize something through the comparison. Think with me. When Jesus speaks of branches, branches that must abide in the Vine, in order to be nourished so that they will flourish and bear much fruit. What's he speaking of? Well, listen, he's not giving a lesson in viticulture. No. He's invoking an image that resonates deeply with his agrarian hearers. He's teaching them that in the same way that there is a vital, life-sustaining union between the root and the vine and the branches? In that same way, there's a vital, sustaining union between God Almighty, His only begotten Son, and His people. Right? He's teaching His hearers that like a vine rooted in the ground, they must be rooted in God. And like a branch engrafted and fused into the vine, they must be joined to Jesus. They must be united with the Son of the living God. They must be tapped into the vine. They must be grafted into the root and offspring of David. If they are to flourish, to bud and to bloom and to blossom and to Bear much fruit. It's a metaphor. Well, Saints, the Christian Bible, Holy Scripture, it's a masterpiece. Somebody should say amen. The Holy Bible is a masterpiece. Though it's often bound together into one book, ta Biblia, it's really a library. You know this. It's really a library. It's a collection of individual books that have been collected, curated, collated, codified, ordered, and bound together into this book that Christians venerate as Holy Scripture. We believe that though the Bible was written by the hand of man, it was inspired by Almighty God. The apostolic teaching is all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, English Standard Version. We know that when St. Paul wrote that, when he wrote that, the New Covenant Scriptures had not yet been curated. But we believe that the same breath of God that inspired the old covenant prophecies as oracles of the divine word inspired the new covenant evangelists and apostolic writers to inscribe divine truth on vellums and papyri and codexes. Don't we? Often I've heard Christians refer to the Holy Bible as the Word of God. A title that I believe is more properly reserved for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who is the Divine Word. But, but I understand what they're saying. I understand what they're saying when they say that. They're reflecting on the high view that Christians have of the Holy Scriptures that have been Collected and passed down to us by our fathers and our mothers in the faith. And saints, we ought to have a high view of Holy Scripture. So saints, remember this. Our God is a God of words. He speaks and He has spoken. In our day, This day, what the apostolic writer to the Hebrews called these last days, he has spoken his final word to man. He has spoken the word Jesus, Savior, Yahweh's salvation. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. John 1 verses 1-4. through English Standard Version. Long ago at many times and in many ways god spoke to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things through whom also he created the world hebrews 1 verses 1 and 2 You understand, saints, the Bible teaches that it is by speaking, by verbalizing, by His divine Word that God created the heavens. That God created the earth. Everything we see and everything we don't see, rocks and trees and fish and fowl, women, and men, and boys, and girls. Electrons, atoms, photons, quarks, seraphim, cherubim, devils, nephilim. Everything, everything that exists is contingent. It's here. It it exists because God Almighty has spoken it. He has made it. He has created it. Beloved, listen, if you believe that, if you believe that, that, as I do, that God is Creator and that He is Redeemer and He can speak words and create worlds... Then what would you expect when he moderates his words through men? What would you expect? Well, I would expect that those words inspired by God, written by men, would be beautiful. I would expect the masterpiece of all masterpieces. That's what I would expect and that is exactly what we find a rich literature abounding in image a picturesque wordscape that communicates divine truth to our human minds with power precision and beauty you ought to read your bible One of the oft repeated metaphors in Holy Scripture is the comparison of clothing, garments, apparel to salvation. I know that you know of these metaphors, but let's encourage ourselves in the Lord this morning and let's review a few of them. You remember Eve was deceived by a dragon a serpentine form, Satan in serpentine form. Adam took the fruit that she offered and together they defied the Almighty. And by their federal headship cast down the entire race of humans in a precipitous fall. Eve had been lied to She had been lied to and promised that if she took the forbidden fruit, she'd have great wisdom. Great wisdom, even an ability to distinguish good from evil. But the great wisdom that she and Adam expected wasn't what they got. Rather, just a realization, we're naked we're naked. That's what they got. That's what they got. And an impending fear that judgment was coming. Because they knew. We've sinned. In shame and foolish fear, they sewed together fig leaves to make coverings for their nakedness. Friend, listen. Listen. <laughs> I don't know where you grew up. I grew up in Louisiana. And my grandmother had fig trees in her yard. I like figs. But you know, those were not comfortable coverings. If you've dealt with fig leaves, you know that they were scratchy, itchy, prickly, tickly. Constant reminders of their guilt. And they were guilty. And the curse came. But listen, in tender fatherly love and in infinite condescension. I read in Genesis 3.21, the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. The wise man writes, love covereth all sins, Proverbs ten twelve, And St. Peter affirms, love covers a multitude of sins, 1 Peter 4, 8. And that's what God did there at the beginning. Now, some theologians have speculated that this was prototypical of the entire sacrificial system which prefigured the ultimate sacrifice of the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. They see this, the theologians see this, because the original clothing of humanity by God is said to be with, quote, garments of skins, unquote. Garments of skins seems to describe the skin of a living thing. So scholars have seen a pre-Noaic, pre-Mosaic blood sacrifice, seemingly offered by the Almighty Himself, who made vestments then for Adam and Eve. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case or not, but the idea is beautiful. I mean, a God who by fiat can speak a world into creation can create a skin without an animal. So, I don't know. I don't know. But it is a beautiful idea. And listen, certainly there's a brief sermon that must be heard that all the coverings that men and women devise for their sins are like itchy fig leaves. But the covering that God provides is a comforting and complete covering. The coverings that men make for sin are foul and disgusting. When men, listen, when men try to be good to appease divine wrath, their so called righteousnesses are repulsive before the Almighty. Isaiah understands this and he prophesies, we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Isaiah 64 verse 6. Listen, friend, what's needed is a radical change of clothes. A disrobing and an inrobing. That's what the prophet has called for. He said, Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion, put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for henceforth there shall no more come unto thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Isaiah 52 1. Put on your glory clothes. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus speaks a parable. And He says, listen, "...the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth his servant, other servants, saying, "...tell them what you are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner." My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. And their remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. When the king heard of it, he was wroth, and sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which are bidden were bidden are not worthy. Go therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid them to the marriage." So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all, as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. "...then said the king to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen." Matthew 22, verses 2-14... through 14. Now listen, I'll I'll not exposit the parable this morning, but surely the message is, listen, surely the message is that if you want to be at the wedding of the king's son, at the wedding feast, you better have a wedding garment. Only those who have appropriate attire can stay for the event. and the proper attire is a wedding garment many are called but it's the chosen those robed in a wedding vestment those are the one who will feast with the king beloved listen i know that you know this <laughs> the wife of the lamb is the bride of christ The church of the living God. And if you would attend the marriage supper of the Lamb, you will not be admitted without the proper attire. You understand? In the banquet hall of heaven, John the Revelator, escorted by an angelic guide, heard and saw something very beautiful, very wonderful. And he wrote... I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and is the voice of many waters, and is the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and His wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen." clean and white. The fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God, and I fell at His feet to worship Him. And he said to me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Revelation 19, verses 6 through 10. The Gadarene demoniac was crazed. He was crazed. <laughs> he loitered in a graveyard. He was supernaturally strong. He mutilated his own body by the cutting of his flesh. And he ran around buck naked. When Jesus exercised the legion of demons from him, the townspeople came out to see what had happened. And St. Mark records that when they come to Jesus... They see him that was possessed with the devil, that had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Mark 5.15 Now brethren, listen. A human in their right mind wants some clothes on. And this, goes, this goes almost back to the very beginning. To the immediate post-fall time. In pristine Eden, listen, in pristine Eden, humanity was naked and unashamed. But no more. We need clothing. And friend, listen, listen. God provides it. God provides it. The angelic testimony to John the Beloved is that the wedding garment worn by the bride of Jesus is the righteousness of saints. Did you hear that? The wife of the Lamb is clothed in fine linen, which is the righteousness of saints. I'm glad I get to be here with y'all, friends, because you're holy people. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Listen, Peter and James and John on the Mount of Transfiguration, I can say the same thing they said that day about being right here right now. Listen, it is good for us to be here. The great Apostle Paul explains that Jesus has accomplished something very difficult to understand. He secured for His people a righteousness that's not ultimately rooted in law-keeping. A righteousness that's ultimately rooted in union with a perfect law-keeper. A righteousness that He says is received by faith. In his epistle to the Romans in chapter 3 he writes, But now the righteousness of God has been made manifest apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, whom God hath put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show that God's righteousness to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Romans three twenty one through twenty six. Listen, let me let me tell you something, friend. If a bride wants a wedding garment, she goes to a bridal shop. If a groom wants a wedding garment, he goes to one of those tuxedo rental places. But if you want a wedding garment for the marriage feast of the Lamb, there's only one place for you to get one. The bridegroom has to get it for you. That's the only place you'll get one that'll get you in. Enormous crowds thronged Jesus as he ministered across Palestine. He healed their sick. He preached deliverance and he went about doing good. And you know, in a mass of humanity, there's always a mix of the called and the chosen. And speaking to a great multitude, Jesus of Nazareth, God incarnate, speaking to a crowd of humanity, said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Matthew 11 verses 28 through 30. Now friend, listen, the garment the garment that Jesus offers includes a yoke. A faithful commitment to walk with Him. To go where He goes. To share His burden as He shares ours. But the joy of having a wedding garment, oh friend, the joy of having a wedding garment, oh, the half hath never yet been told. There's a sermon recorded in the Bible that the great prophet Isaiah preached. A sermon and a prophecy. And then the prophecy was later preached again. A sermon preached by the greatest preacher to ever preach on planet Earth. And I have the blessed privilege to preach that sermon again to you this morning. And to make sure I get it right, I'm going to read it to you, for it is a sermon of great joy. New clothes for Christmas, new clothes for a new year, victory vestments. Gladness garments. Joyful jeans. Please open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. You'll remember that when Jesus went back to Nazareth of Galilee, after His temptation in the wilderness... He went to the local synagogue on a Saturday. And Dr. Luke records that they handed him a Bible. And it opened to this passage. And Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, preached it. And saints, listen, I want you to hear it this morning. Listen, I want you to hear it as a sermon for you for you are God's people. So here's some good news. The Gospel of Jesus, and, and listen, listen, listen for sartorial metaphors. You know what sartorial means? has to do with clothing. Garments. Listen for sartorial metaphors. Things about garments or clothing or robes. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because Jehovah hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of Jehovah in the day of the vengeance of our God and to comfort all that mourn. And he handed the book back to the keeper. But let's keep going. To a point unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of Jehovah, that He might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste and shall raise up the former desolations and repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations." And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. And you shall be named priests of Jehovah, and men shall call you the ministers of our God, and you shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall you boast yourselves. For your shame you shall have double, and for confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the double, Double everlasting joy shall be unto them. For I, Jehovah, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering, and I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them." Their seed shall be known among the Gentiles and, in their, and their offspring among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them and they are the seed which Jehovah hath blessed. I will greatly rejoice in Jehovah. My soul shall be joyful in my God for He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation." He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. For as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causeth the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God shall cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations." Hmm. Oh, souls of the saints, hear me. Are you listening? Are you joyful? Are you joyful this morning? David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Are you glad? Are you glad? Are you joyful this new year? This morning? I hope you are. I hope you are. Listen, but if you're not, let me remind you, there is cause for great rejoicing this day. Look back there at verse 10. The Holy Prophet proclaims, I will greatly rejoice in Jehovah." My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Listen, no fig leaves, friend. No fig leaves. No filthy rags. No vestments of violence. No garments of greed. No uniforms of ugliness. No. Not for us. For us, garments of salvation. Robes of righteousness. I will greatly rejoice in Jehovah. My soul shall be joyful in my God. He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with his ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Did you get some new clothes this Christmas? I'm telling you what, friend, on a Christmas a long time ago, we got some really nice clothes. I'm still happy about them. Still happy about them. On this text, or of this text, the mighty Spurgeon said this, listen. Without any preface, we will go straight to the text at once. In the words of the prophet, we have two things brought before us. First, A resolution to be glad. And secondly, the reasons for being glad. Whenever a man makes a resolution, it should be because he has a good reason for doing so. And when he has a good reason for it, he ought to adhere to his resolution. And carry it out to the fullest extent possible. I want you, dear friends, because there are good reasons for it, to resolve that you will be glad in the Lord. Perhaps you are of a mournful spirit. It may be that you have peculiar trials just now. Possibly the very heaviness of the atmosphere makes you feel dull or sad. Never mind those things which would drag your spirit down. At least for tonight, let us be glad. And if we can make that gladness overlap tomorrow... And if the stream should be sufficiently strong to flow right through the week to another Sabbath? And if the torrent should be vigorous enough to run right to the end of the year? And if the mighty flood should be broad enough to cover all the rest of our lives, it will not be then, even then, an unreasonable thing. I wish we could... Every one of us with such divine inspiration as would enable us to continue throughout eternity say, I will rejoice greatly in my Lord and my soul shall be joyful in my God. But if we cannot reach to such a full attainment of joy all at once, let us at least take a good mouthful of it even now. Let us kneel down against the wellhead of heavenly bliss and drink a deep draught of holy joy at this glad hour. O friend, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God for He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of of righteousness. Saints, let's rejoice. Let's rejoice. For Jesus, our Savior, hath clothed us with garments of salvation, even a robe of righteousness. He has given us the garment necessary to attend the wedding supper of the Lamb. Did you get your invitation? Awake my heart, arise my tongue, prepare a tuneful voice. In God, the life of all my joys, aloud will I rejoice. Tis He adorned my naked soul and made salvation mine. Upon a poor polluted worm he makes his grace to shine. And lest the shadow of a spot should on my soul be found, he took the robe the Savior wrought and cast it all around. How far the heavenly robe exceeds what earthly princes wear. These ornaments, how bright they shine, how white these garments are. The Spirit wrought my faith and love and hope and every grace, but Jesus spent His life to work a robe of righteousness. Strangely, my soul, Thou art arrayed by the great sacred three in sweetest harmony of praise. Let all Thy powers agree. Please stand with me for prayer. Let us pray. O sovereign Lord, thy will is supreme in heaven and on earth, and all beings are creatures of thy power. Thou art the father of our spirits. Thy inspiration gives us understanding. Thy providence governs our lives. But O God, we are sinners in thy sight. Thou hast judged us so, and if we deny it, we make thee a liar. Yet in Christ thou art reconciled to thy rebellious subjects. O oh, give us the ear of faith to hear him, the eye of faith to see him, the hand of faith to receive him, the appetite of faith to feed upon him, that we might find in him light, riches, honor, everlasting life. Thou art the inviting one. O oh, may we hearken to thee, the Almighty Instructor, teach us to live unto Thee, the Light Dweller, inaccessible to man and angels, hiding Thyself behind the elements of creation, but made known unto us in Jesus. O possess our minds with the grandeur of Thy perfections. Thy love to us in Jesus is firm and changeless. Nothing can separate us from it. And in the enjoyment of it, nothing can make us miserable. Oh, preserve us from hypocrisy and formality in religion and enable us to remember what Thou art and what we are. To recall Thy great holiness and our unworthiness. Help us to approach Thee clothed with humility. For vanity forwardness, insensibility, disorderly affection, backwardness to duty, proneness to evil are in our hearts. O Lord, cast them down. And let us never forget thy patience, thy wisdom, thy power, thy faithfulness, thy care, thy great love. And help us never cease to respond to thy sweet invitations. In Jesus' name, Amen.